following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. So, good evening. Um, we have a problem with it, and I hope you do. To turn to Galatians 5, and what you say while we read this chapter? You can and just see where you are. So, we're going to read uh, 5. We'll start at 5 1. We're going to read a little bit of that. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of Christ, our hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Let's pray. God, we love you. Father, we thank you. And Lord, we just ask that you would, uh, God, that you would, we don't have to stand the Holy Spirit, but we can live in us if we are believers in Christ. And so, if we are believers in Christ, teach us tonight. Teach us tonight. And every every year, we just stay in prayer. And I think I'm new to this, and I'm not sure that someone. All right, is that better? Woo, that's coming in hot. Okay, all right. Um, Sorry if you didn't hear the first part of that. Basically, we prayed and read the verses. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So in verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. In the NIV, it says the only thing that counts is your faith expressed through love. I think that's one of the most beautiful passages in Galatians. Um, So, let's back up and let's unpack this. So, we are covered in chains, right? And some of you out there are so covered in chains that you, you clank when you walk, right? Now, the chains I'm talking about are the chains of sin, right? It's the, the things that that we can't seem to let go of or that we won't want to let go of, right? Now, what is sin? Is sin something is something really bad? Is a sin something you can get arrested for? Yeah, sure it is. But is sin also not those things, right? And James says, he who knows what to do and does it not, sins. Amen? So, sin is our unwillingness to walk in the will of God, right? He who knows what to do, does it not, sins. So, in this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The chains I was just talking about, that is the slavery, right? We are so fettered by these chains, right? We drag them around every day. For some of you, for some of us, those chains are, are someone hurt you, 
really bad and you lack the ability or the want to, to forgive them, right? For some people, those chains look more like, look more like something you don't want to let go of, something that's more important to you than maybe, maybe the things of God, right? Sometimes, uh, there are, I asked a guy, I invited a guy to church the other day and I've been working on this guy for a while and this is what he told me. And I, I just couldn't believe this was his justification. He said, man, I'd come with you Sunday, but I really got to get this trolley motor working. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so there are some ridiculous things that we will put in the place of a time we'll get spent with God or even each other, you know? And none of those things are, um, I don't think it's a trolley motor that's so important. I think it's just the, I think we're terrified sometimes of the conviction that comes from the sin that we know we're trapped in. Amen. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. Firm therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You know, like I said, we're covered in chains. We don't come into this. um, We don't come into this ready to go. You know, we don't, we don't start this thing ready to be with Jesus, right? In Psalm 51, it says, behold, um, behold, we are brought forth in sin. I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. We are sinners from the, from birth. We're sinners into this world. Do you want to know why? Because when Adam and Eve were stripped from paradise, right? And the curse of sin has fallen on the human race now. You can only give somebody something you have, and you can't give someone something you don't have. And so when Adam and Eve are now, are now contaminated, if you will, by sin, they can only give us what they have, right? And we are all sinners, and we're born in sin. I mean, my baby is married now, but when she was little, she cried when she didn't get her way. You know why? Because the world revolves around her. Listen, when we're children like that, when we're babies, we don't have to grow and be parented because we're ready to go. We have to grow and be parented because we're inadequate to face this world, right? Amen. And just like that, spiritually, when we're brand new to this, we're inadequate. And just like you need a parent, you also need someone to pour into you. You need someone that you're pouring into at the same time. And that the word for that is called discipleship, right? And you being a disciple, that word means learner. And so when you, when you give yourself to Christ, you're giving yourself to that. You're giving yourself to wanting to be like him, for wanting to be indwelled by him. There's nothing that makes Steve perfect. I've been following Christ for trying to real hard for 26 years. There's nothing about Steve that's perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm indwelled by perfect. Amen. We are indwelled by perfect. And we have been set free. We've been set free from the chains of sin. We've been set free from death and hell. We've been set free. We've been set free from unforgiveness. We've been set free from a lack of God's sovereignty in our life. The law itself, we're set free from that. We're set free from the curse of sin and the consequences of that for all eternity. The law was never meant to save you. And it's 
fascinating that we will try and earn our way all the time, even though we wouldn't write that down on the test question, right? If that was a test question, it was an essay answer, and nobody in here is going to say we need to earn our way to God. But our lives say something different, right? When I said that, I saw half the room go, look, that's how you say yes in church. (laughs) And look, I've been, I've had to wrestle with this for three weeks. Your toes might hurt now, but shoot, my legs have been beat up right now. Mine aren't that long. Okay. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, why would he use that? Well, I don't know why he uses that, but maybe it has something to do with, you know, circumcision was the first regulation given to us, given to Abraham, actually, in the Old Testament, right? It's the first regulation. Even before he gave us the law, he gave us that, right? When we choose, when he says this here, he's talking about when you choose circumcision. See, uh, culturally, in in Galatia especially, they were trying to say, hey, if you're going to follow Christ, then you need to be like the Jews, right? If you're going to follow Christ, you need to be like me. Have you ever heard somebody say that in church? Maybe you've heard it in this church. Hey, look, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't dress like me. They don't smell like me. You get it? Right? We all land in in the same spot. So when we choose circumcision, when we choose something that the law has laid down for us over the God who gave you the law, right? There is a word of the law and then there is a love that is interpreted through it. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to get rid of it. I come to fulfill it. Right? And so we have to, we have to understand, right? That we've been set free, not just from sin, but for love. Not just from those things, those chains that are holding us back, but for this, this, for this life that you can share Jesus with each other, that you can share this with those around you. Right? Everybody that touches your circle, you ought to look at them as your responsibility to show Jesus to. Right? And I'm not kidding with that. Everybody that touches your circle, it is now your responsibility. I'm going to say this to James because me and James, we're, we're all that, right? Everybody that touches James' circle, James ought to be responsible for showing them Jesus. And when he talks, they need to hear Christ. When he acts on their behalf, don't know what happened there, right? When something, we need to be Jesus to those around us. And if you're waiting on a mission field from a far off country, look no farther. Your sign says you are, this is the first time I've ever had to bend down to see anything. I was looking at that sign back there. You are now entering your mission field, right? Your mission field's right there. There are homes right here. If you pass these to get to somewhere else, what's the use in this, right? There's always going to be somebody called to somewhere else. You're always going to have the poor among you. You're always going to have, and look, sometimes the poor among you is not the poor financially. It's the poor spiritually. And when you're praying at night or and you go, 
well, why won't God change this, change my community? I think maybe God's looking at us and going, yeah, well, I gave him you. I indwelled you to change a world around you. Why are you asking where I am? Just get on your knees so that your heart can see it. Amen. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you think this is something you deserve or you can earn, right? And maybe you wouldn't say that. Maybe you'd say, look, there's no way I deserve this. There's no way I could earn this, right? But you don't think it's your neighbor is a person who deserves Jesus. They don't deserve him enough for you to walk over and tell them about Christ. Same thing, right? Same thing, right? It's one thing. It's one thing to have that as your standard. It's a whole nother thing to have that as someone else's. That you deem them not worthy of eternity. That you deem them someone that does not deserve if, if it was cancer, right? If you had the cure for cancer in your pocket and you could give it to your neighbor, but you're like, no, I don't even like him. I don't even like spending time with him, see? If you would say something like, hey, you got the cure for cancer in your pocket and you know your neighbor is going to die. Not only are they going to die, they're going to die and go to hell. And you have the cure for that in your pocket. He who knows what to do and does it not sins, right? He who knows what to do and does it not sins. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are from Christ. Look, when you judge yourself, when you say, look, you know what? I Maybe I've done this, but that person did that, you know? Because we know that bad people are only the serial killers we see on the news, right? Bad people are only the people who's going to prison for the rest of their life for something wrong that they did. It's not me. Surely it's me, (laughs) right? It's not me. I mean, I've done a few things that I needed to ask forgiveness for, but they weren't bad. I mean, not like that bad. You know what I mean? If you have broken the law, you are a law breaker and there is no priority on sin, right? Jesus is asked one time in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter 24. He says, what is the greatest law? And this is what he says. He said, to love the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second one is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, is that one law or is that the greatest? Is that two laws? What Jesus say there? No, what Jesus said was he summarized the Ten Commandments, right? The first four of the Ten Commandments is you and God. The other six are you and everybody else, right? What he did was summarize the Ten Commandments. How cool is that? How cool is Jesus to do that? He not only saved you, but he gave you something that's like, oh my goodness, did you hear what he just said? And that's amazing. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision. He is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. 
you who would be justified by the law, if you are going to continue to try and earn your way, if you are going to continue to try and deserve this for how good you are, for how much you got, for what you give to the church, for how often you're through the doors, for everything you think you are, right? For all the things you That's why you're just as guilty of sin as anybody else. Me, Garrett, Sherman, Sherman. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But see, we are all guilty of sin, right? What's the difference between you and the person over here who's lost? Forgiveness. You're adopted. You know what that means to be adopted? In ancient Israel, this is what it meant. In ancient Israel... I was, let's say Garrick was my son, right? Because I, let's say Garrick was my son. If he was my blood relative and he had just went off the rails, I could disown him, right? I could disown him. But if Garrick was a child that I adopted, I can never disown him. He can never be disowned because I have taken someone who had no family and I placed them in my family. And even though my blood children can be disowned, the adopted one can never be disowned. And you have been adopted by Almighty God if you are adopted at all. Right? Amen. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait Eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. That word faith is awesome, right? A little bit later in the epistles, you see a word faithfulness. And faith denotes a few things, right? Faith means that not only is it like your, your faithfulness, well, faithfulness, faithfulness, uh, faith means I believe, right? Faith means that I am convinced this is going to happen. I'm convinced that the truth of Christ is the truth no matter what, right? Faith is believing in what you have not seen, right? The things you haven't heard yet, okay? So faithfulness, which would kind of denote having faith, is super cool. This is why. Because that faithfulness is also defined by one of the, by a word, it's an awesome word called fidelity, right? Fidelity means two different things. If you're married and, you know, you ha- you're... Your relationship with your wife, with your husband, um, not cheating on each other, whatever, that's fidelity, right? We, we all get that. We get that. We're the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. We all get that part of it. But fidelity has another definition that goes with it. Fidelity also means the measure to which I reproduce myself. Think about that for a second. When you talk about your faith, when you talk about faithfulness, You're not just talking about how much you believe God, how much you stand firm on the truth of who he is and what he did and that he said, he said what he said and that he's going to do what he's going to do and that you are who he says you are, but it is also the measure to which you reproduce yourself. Who are you pouring into? Don't say it out loud. Who are you pouring into? Right? Because when I ask that question, I'm willing to bet that there's a whole lot of people that's going, <clears throat> yeah, nobody, nobody, right? 
I whispered it the first time so you didn't have to feel so bad, but I'm just going to say it out loud. Nobody, right? Who's pouring into you? Well, nobody. Steve, I come to church every once in a while. Doesn't that count? No, not really. This is why, because this right here, while you can learn something, while there is a transfer of knowledge, while there is wisdom being dispersed, this isn't life together and discipleship is life together, right? Because discipleship says that me and Sherman not only know each other, but we know who each other is. It, it means that I can look at Sherman and I can tell if something's wrong with him, right? It means that I know when Sherman reacts a certain way that there's something bad wrong and I need to ask Sherman about that, right? And I know that when I'm with him that we're going to talk about God, we're going to talk as kids, we're going to talk about what we're doing at church, what you're doing at church. We're going to talk about things like that, but we're also going to talk about the, the, the hurts we share. We're also going to talk about how we're growing, how we're not growing, where we need help, where we need prayer. That's life together, right? And if you're not doing life with someone, then that's not necessarily being a disciple. This is being a spectator. And I don't want to tell, I don't want to hurt your feelings. There's no such thing as a super Christian. There are just Christians. And then those of us who spectate at different distances. Amen. So we have to not only understand that we are set free from sin, but we are set free for love. The law was never meant to save you. The law shows us what love isn't. Right? The law shows us what love isn't. And every time we choose what love isn't, we shackle ourselves again to the floor. We pick up a chain that Jesus died to take off of us. And we throw it over our shoulder. We wrap ourselves up in it like a blanket. For through the Spirit, by faith ourselves, or we ourselves eagerly wait for the, for the hope of righteousness. When we talk about words like faith, when we talk about words like hope, when we talk about words like truth, really all about the same thing, right? It means that I believe Jesus Christ is not only the son of God, but he is God. He was God in a pair of sandals who came to live a life I couldn't, to die in my place because I couldn't survive that, right? And live for eternity. And I have a hope. Hope does not mean wishful thinking. Hope isn't, listen, every time that we as Christians make this statement that, well, I sure hope God does. That's not what hope means. That's wishful thinking. That's something you rub a lamp for. What God is doing is changing your life for eternity. Right? He is changing you. He saved you for a reason. And it wasn't just to take the chains off of you. It was to place to love those around you. Because when you wonder, where is God? He says, I'm right there. I sit you let me help you grow let me help you talk to your neighbor because until you do you might as well buy jerseys and hand them out because that's what happens in the football stands for the people who are not on the field right 
They get jerseys and flags and ball caps and cups with their favorite team's picture on it, right? If you're not going to be in the fight, get you a big cup, super gulp. It's got Jesus on the outside because that's where you are. And look, I'm telling you this because I love you, right? Because I love you. We ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Righteousness is the word right wiseness. It means righteousness is in a right relationship with God, right? In a right relationship with God. Are you in a right relationship with God? And look, when I ask you that, what I did not ask you is, are you in a right relationship with your church? I didn't ask you if you're in a right relationship with your ability to tithe or not. I didn't ask you if you're in a right relationship with how pretty you do your hair when you come in here, okay? Or the clothes that you wear, or the car that you drive. What I asked you is, are you in a right relationship with God? And in spite of all that, is there a day when you hit your knees or sit in your chair and talk to God, read your Bible, expect the Holy Spirit to teach you while you do it? Amen? For through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Look, if you don't believe the law can save you, you're on the right track. If you think, hey, the law can't save me and I believe that, so I must be good. You're still not on the right track. You know you know what I mean? The law cannot save you. But believing that doesn't save you either. Right? Without repentance, there is no salvation. And if you don't surrender your life and your actions and your hopes and your dreams and your wants and your fears and your just your vacations, your desires, everything, right? Sin does not come from a bad person who infects your life. The Bible says the sin comes from the desires of our heart. You know, we give Satan... This rap in paradise because we, oh, Satan's the sinner. Satan's the one who introduced this. Satan didn't introduce sin. Satan convinced someone else to. Amen? And guess who they were? Just like us. They were just like us. And Israel is the same way. In Judges 2, verses 10 through 13, in the NIV, it says, After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. After Joshua's death, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt. What they did... It's not as important as why they did it. Let me read it again. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. After Joshua's death, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. That means the parents weren't telling their kids about the God they serve. Amen. That means you have a whole nation of people who are more worried about who they are and where they are than who brought them out of Egypt. Right? The only way you end up with a generation that doesn't follow God is you start slowly not following God yourself. I got in trouble one time at a pastor's luncheon because I made that comment. Right? We had a pastor who was sitting there with us. 
not not around here. We had a pastor who was sitting there. Said, you know what? He goes. The problem with church, with our church right now, is that the young people won't come. The young people aren't given. He said, and and and, uh, and if that would happen, then our church would just you know turn on its heels. And I said, who is given? And he said, well, 80% of our budget comes, or 60% of our budget comes from 80% of our people, and 80% of our people are over the age of 60. I said, how many of those people are pouring into a young couple in your church? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, maybe that's the problem. And look, I don't mean to step on your toes, right? Think about this. If I am 51, I'm 51, right? If the people I pour into, if they're not cheerful givers, if they're, if they don't serve, if they're not involved, if they're not engaged, if they don't have a relationship, um, it might be that they don't want that. But if that's not the case, it might be because I'm not sharing that. Right? You know, I was a youth pastor before I was a pastor. Let me tell you what I learned being a youth pastor. Me and this man back here were talking about this the other day. It's not a hundred percent, but I guarantee you every parent in here will probably shake their head yes when I say this. You raise what you are, not what you wish. Kids tend to not listen to what you tell them. They listen to what they see. They do what they see you do, right? And when you go to their house after they get married, the language they use is the language they heard. The reactions they use are the reactions they saw. The things they do are the things you did. Amen. Look, this this is a time for this is a time for get right. right? This this is the come to Jesus, right? And we have to do this because the Word says so. I didn't come in here with a notebook that says I said so. I'm just rereading the Word, right? And you know that because we're reading it together. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. In the NIV, the only thing that counts is your faith working through love. Right? Have you ever had a relationship with somebody and they say something that might be a little off or a little wrong? Doesn't have to be spiritually, just whatever. Or maybe they're mad about something or what have you. And you thought it was more important to be right. Than it was to be righteous. You ever done that? Come on, you shake your head yes. Yeah, we know, right? Have you ever done that? Of course you have. Sometimes our pride gets in the way of a relationship and we feel like it's more important to be right than it is to be responded to somebody who might not be as far along as you, who might not know God like you know God or might not know God at all, right? And if they don't know God at all, what's that mean, Celia? It means that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but with the powers and principalities, the spiritual wickedness in high places. They are not the enemy. They're the victim. They're lost. And I say that, I'm not big on that word. I'm not big on people being a victim, right? We choose where we are to the time. Sometimes there's victims, sometimes they're not. I know when I find myself in sin, I find myself having chosen to be there. Amen? It's very rare 
that that is not the case. And let me tell you when that happens the most. When I'm wrestling with my flesh and I'm trying to make God so proud of me because this time I got it and I fail. You know why I fail? Because I didn't give it to Christ to begin with. Right? He's like, look, I already died. Uh, Steve, you, you don't, you can stop. I already died for that. <laughs> I died for that, man. I died that day. The only kind of day you were going to have today. And I still went to the cross. You don't have to struggle with that by yourself. Give it to me. I got this. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And the only thing that counts is your faith expressed through love. And listen, that's not a measure of how much you believe God. That's if you believe God, this stuff would be true to you. If I believed God was the creator and the, the writer of all wrongs that we call sin, and I believe that he could save not just me, but everybody, then I would have no doubt that he could save my neighbor. Doesn't mean my neighbor would choose it. But I could have no doubt that he could do that. And because he could, and because I don't know whether he'll choose it or not, if I really had faith at all, I'd talk to him. Because God sent me. Right? That's why he brushed up against your circle. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say your circle? I'm talking about the people you influence, the people you talk to, the people you call friends, the people you call, you know, the people who just brushed up against you. George Barna said 20 years ago that you will influence over 10,000 people in your lifetime that you will never meet or have a conversation with because they will see your life, right? John Maxwell said one time at a conference, he said, he said, God is doing one of three things in your life. He is either, if the goal is to look in the mirror and see Christ, that he's always doing one of three things in your life, that he is either removing something from you because unless it's gone, you are never going to look like Jesus. Or he is putting something in you. Unless it's there, guess what? You're never going to look like Jesus. Or he is allowing you to go through something so that someone will see how you respond to God in that moment. And he'll do one of those two things in their life. So he said, in essence, you are either always receiving a miracle from God or being part of somebody else's. Amen? What if that miracle for that someone else is eternity? Doesn't matter who he used, but he might use you. What if, what if everything, anybody ever seen the Lord of the Rings when they tell Frodo, he's like, look, if you don't do this, no one will. God doesn't need you, but he wants you, right? Now, let's just say that was true for a second. Now, God can do what he, God doesn't need Steve. He doesn't need me to talk to y'all. He can call somebody else up here to do that. But let's just say, what if that one person who bumps up against your circle was a person you were built to lead to Christ? Huh? What if that was the person who gets all the things that have happened in your life And you connect with him better than anybody on the planet. And look, God is not without a toolbox. The rocks will cry out if you don't say anything. But I'm just saying, right? 
at the lowest point in my life, I went through something very difficult. I won't get into that too much. And I asked, I had to go through that. Now, all through that, I'm learning all kinds of stuff, and I, I can see the answers coming, right? And then, my mentor's son went through the exact same thing. A guy that I, I call my best friend, he might as well be my dad, and I call his wife mom, spoke to her about two hours ago. What if God allowed me to go through that? Because Kyle doesn't have anybody else on the planet that he will talk to about that besides me. Right? But if I guard my circle like I'm in the closet and like I don't, I don't, I don't have time for anybody else around me, pick the chain back up, throw it over your shoulder. Right? What if I went through that just so Kyle would have someone to help him through that moment? And we've, we're, we're there, right? We're at the finish line. He's moving forward. And as cool as my mentor is, who I've talked to almost every day or every so often for 26 years, his son can't really talk to him or his mom about that because they haven't went through that but he could talk to me all day long because I did and came out the other side, right? I'm willing to bet God has put somebody in your path who's walked a while in your shoes. Amen? Amen. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. You know, the word believe means this. It means to be fully persuaded. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is, that you will take no other view. Right? It's not Tracy's view, it's not David's view, it's not Steve's view, it's not Sherman's view. It's God's view, and it's right here. And that's the only view. We don't get to have opinions about that. That's why they call it doctrine, right? And everything you look at should be looked at, viewed from the eyes of this book. Because this is the living, breathing word of God, right? But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. And he's continuing on with that whole, you know, picture of circumcision, right? We're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it. If that's what you believe, if that's what you think coming here tonight did, you're never going to make it, right? You're never going to be worthy. I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> you you're never going to bring anything to the table that God needs, right? When you hear that phrase, the God-shaped hole, right? Like, I need God to fill this hole, but the, there's nothing outside that hole that's ready to go either, <laughs> Right? It is total demolition 
and reconstruction. There's no part of your porch that God just needs to level and you'll be all right. Right? He doesn't have to replace the windows in you. It's not a renovation. It is renewal. It is complete and utter rebuilding of who you are. Who I was is dead. Who I was is in the past. And he has removed that as far as the east is from the west. But who you are and why you are is found right here. And the only thing that counts is your faith expressed through love. Pray with me. God, we come to you. Father, we ask you. Lord, if there's anybody in this room who has just been wearing the jersey. They've just been in the stands looking around, God. That tonight might be their night to get on the field. Tonight might be their night to surrender their life and give themselves fully, wholly over to you. God, there's no secret or magical prayer in the Bible that will save them. But you do say we have to come with a broken and contrite heart. That we have to come to you, surrender our lives and repent of our sins. And repent does not mean to act different. It means to think different. It means now I'm going to look at everything in my life and around my life through the eyes of that book, through the eyes of Christ. And I'm going to, I'm going to realize that it is not against flesh and blood that we wrestle, but against powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places who could deceive even the elect if it were possible. And so, Lord, if anybody needs you, if anybody, if anybody needs to give their life to Jesus, I pray they do it right now. But listen, you be forewarned, right? You've heard a hundred pastors, thousand pastors maybe say that. And then they go, oh, you know, you can come up here. You can get with me later. Listen, if it's real, you, (laughs) we ought not be able to keep you quiet. Amen. If it's real, it ought to be that real. If you're going to give your life to Christ, give it to him right now. Stand up. Just stand up. If that's what you, what you need to do, if that's who you are, if that's what needs to happen right now, just stand up. Or raise your hand or something. But if not, then get busy. Get busy. If you are who God says you are, then he's equipped you to do what he said you have to do. He did not suggest that we go and make disciples. He commanded it. Amen. He commanded it. Not just making disciples, but being one. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And remember that everybody touches your circle. If they are lost, you were too once. And they need you. You don't have to pray like this, but something like this. Lord, if, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that you created everything that there is, including me, and I'm contaminated by sin. God, I know that I am an enemy of the Most High God, and that is not where I want to be. Father, I give you my life. I give you my hopes and my dreams and my fears and my wishes and my wants and everything that is. And I submit myself to you. From now on, you're the boss. You're going to lead me. You guide me. Whatever it is you would have me do, God.
I will do. Wherever you would have me go, I will go. Whatever you would have me say, I will say. And the things you've already said in your word, I will feel in my heart every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, you need to talk to somebody. You need to tell somebody, right? You ought to tell all kinds of somebodies. And you need to talk to Tracy. Because the next step is the believer's baptism, right? Baptism does not save you. It is a outward expression of an inward commitment. I don't care if you dip, dunk, sprinkled, or just fell backwards. Okay? Baptism doesn't do that. But it does identify you with the body, right? It does publicly say, I'm here to do this. I'm here to give myself to God, right? This is what it also says. Because I've given myself to God. I will give what God has given me to someone else. Amen. It means you're not just a the disciple. You're going to become a disciple maker. If you don't know how to do that, you're going to learn. And if you need help, talk to Tracy. Right? Talk to anybody. These people have been at this church so long. If you don't know, you need to get knowing. Right? You need to make it happen. Right? Thank you guys for coming out. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.